The Isle of Og, written and narrated by Michael Tippetts. Seven, Oculus. With brand new, fully formed wings, Ermo was keen to be on his way. But first, he needed to learn how to fly. This was something that came quite naturally to fire sprites. So after just a few test flights, tips and instructions from the older ones, Ermo quickly, if somewhat erratically, mastered control of the air. It was a long way to get to where Solly lived even for a fire sprite with wings. But Ermo was not going to be put off, as his ambition had now become an obsession. So, after an early midnight lunch, he said his farewells and set off for Solly's perch. A large storm, situated out to sea, moved in and across the island. The journey quickly became difficult and unpleasant, taking much longer than Ermo had anticipated. He travelled for hours, battling against the wind and lashing rain. Ermo was not entirely sure where Solly actually lived, but from what others had told him, he knew that he resided near the centre of the island, in a broad cypress tree situated between two tall and distinctive cedars. Thick rain clouds blocked out the little moonlight there was that night. After many hours of travelling, hoping that he was close to Solly's tree, the fire sprite flew high above the treetops, trying to use his powerful light to map out the terrain below. Sadly, even with his bright tail, Ermo found it difficult to see anything, except for a dim outline of the forest below. He searched the area systematically as he could, carefully moving back and forth across the wind, looking for any tall trees. Becoming tired and weak from the hours of effort, Ermo began to give up hope of ever finding his way. It was then, in the distance, he saw a light, which at first he thought must be lightning, but as it raced towards him, the illumination became continuous, only flickering in its intensity. High above the clouds, unseen, a giant fireball burnt brightly in the planet's upper atmosphere, while a white-hot trail blazed its way across the night sky. The storm cloud's thick blanket tempered and dispersed the light, so that from beneath it looked like an illuminated x-ray of flesh and sinew. It was by this flickering light that Ermo first saw the outline of a large tree. Just one at first, a 200-foot-tall cedar rising high above the rest, its top swaying back and forth in the wind, as if signalling its presence. Almost immediately he noticed another, its twin, standing close by. Ermo... Convinced that the owl's cypress tree would reside between the two, stretched out his cold, tired wings and glided bumpily down into the forest below.
Solly had just stopped for a tea break as he'd been busily sorting out packages in the reception area. These were supplies and goods that had arrived earlier in the night, all paid for and organised by the Golden Light Corporation, which was closely associated to, but not actually owned, affiliated or linked in any way to Forest S. Owl Supplies Limited. Having satisfyingly dealt with all the local issues of the night, Solly now had an empty waiting room and was about to close up for the morning, having already sent his secretary home. The owl was looking forward to spending the remains of the night by himself, unpacking the numerous and oddly stamped boxes of supplies. It was at this time that Irmo arrived cold, wet and shivering, keen to get out of the driving rain, the fire sprite switched off his light and rang the doorbell. Solly, annoyed at being disturbed, wondered who it could be so late in the morning. Determined to turn away whoever it was, he descended the many steps that spiralled down the inside of the tree, whilst calling out to the ringing bell, All right, all right, I'm coming, I'm coming. You're too late anyway. The surgery is closed. I'm afraid you'll just have to. Upon opening the door, he saw no one, so spoke out in an authoritative tone. Hello? Hello? All right. Who's there? Who's that ringing my bell? After a short pause came a weak reply. Me, sir. Yao looked down to see a small, soaked and dishevelled creature whose sad, shivering face peered up at him out of the gloom. Oh, well, my, my, what, what are we here? Looks very much like a drowned rat, or perhaps a mouse, by the size of you. No, no, I'm not a mouse, sir. I'm a fire sprite, said Ermo in a voice that quivered and shook with cold and exhaustion. For Solly, the annoyance of being disturbed was overtaken by the faintly amusing, if somewhat pitiful, sight of what stood before him. Barely containing a chuckle, the owl said, Oh, oh, my, <laughs> oh my dear fellow, my dear fellow, c- come in, come in, come in quickly, or you'll catch your death, <laughs> especially on such a foul night as this. Come in, come in, and I'll get you something to dry yourself with. Once inside, Ermo was told plainly to <coughs> wait there before the owl scurried off. Dishevelled and sodden, Ermo stood dripping on the mat. The owl promptly returned, handing him a large and fluffy towel taken from a small airing cupboard situated not far from the door. <coughs> Here, my boy, take this, said Solly, handing it to him. Thank you, responded Ermo, who bowed low before formally introducing himself and quickly apologising for disturbing Solly so late in the morning. Smiling at Ermo's politeness, the owl replied, Well, um, Ermo, the fire sprite, (laughs) it's nice to meet you too. Come along with me before you die of hypothermia. That rain is so cold. Solly peered outside before locking the door behind them. Come on, follow me and I'll take you up to my office where you can sit and dry yourself by the fire. Fussing, Solly led Ermo up the many flights of stairs through a large waiting room and into his office. 
After pushing a grand chair close to a small stove, he sat Ermo down, poking and replenishing the fire with dry wood from a nearby stack. He eyed the fire sprite carefully. Upon hearing the kettle as it began to whistle in the kitchen, he proclaimed with an air of authority, What you need at a time like this is tea. I'll get you a nice hot cup along with one of my thick chocolate biscuits. Take my word for it, boy. (laughs) That will revive you from the inside out. The owl, in his usual bustling manner, disappeared off returning to the refreshments he'd been preparing only moments earlier. After sinking out an extra cup and adding a few more biscuits to the plate, he set about searching for his silver tea tray, whilst all the time humming a merry tune. Ermo held his hands out in front of the hot brazier. Left alone, he looked cautiously around the room. It was as he imagined it would be, cluttered and crowded, overflowing with books and papers. Those not on shelves were stacked higgledy-piggledy in towers up from the floor. Dotted around the room were trophies and engraved cups. On the walls were framed diplomas stamped at the bottom with seals of ribbon and wax. Apart from the books, there were many interesting mechanical ornaments and loudly ticking clocks that all gently chimed at different intervals. The room itself was lit by large olive oil lamps. Above him was a small round window, whilst on the other side of the room, behind the thick heavy curtains, lay glazed double doors. Outside he could hear the wind howling as the rain lashed in relentless waves against the glass. The broad tree trunk swayed gently in the storm, making creaking noises as it did so. But this was a comforting sound, the gentle flexing of timber tendons that expressed the tree's overwhelming strength and permanence. It was then that Solly burst noisily back into the room, holding a tray filled with cups, honey, biscuits and a large teapot wrapped in a thick woollen cosy. The china gently clinked as he set it precariously down on a small table next to Irmo. Here we are, my boy. Uh, The best ever cure for cold and bad weather. Hot honey tea. Using a small silver strainer, he poured out two large steaming cups of green tea, whereupon adding a couple of generous spoonfuls of honey, he carefully stirred it in. Ermo quickly folded and put down the towel as the owl handed him a cup with a large chocolate biscuit balanced on its saucer. They sat for a while, each silently sipping the hot beverage and dipping their biscuits. Surreptitiously, Solly watched his visitor, politely waiting, allowing him the time he needed to recover, purposely using the silence between them to provoke a response. Ermo sighed contentedly, as he felt the warmth of the hot, sweet tea and the glow of the fire seep new life back into his cold body. The feeling of contentment was soon made awkward by the quiet, watching presence of the owl, so Ermo quickly filled it by thanking Solly profusely for his kindness and hospitality, saying how relieved and thankful he was to be in and out of the rain. 
Well, not at all, my dear boy. Anyone would have done the same. He then paused before asking with interest. But tell me, um, I'm intrigued. Why would a fire sprite, such as yourself, who, let's be honest, are rarely seen except in the most, well, remote parts of the wood, be ringing on my doorbell so late on such a morning? Oh, well, for whatever reason, I can only think it must be an important one. Already flushed from the heat of the fire, Ermo now went even redder. He was not quite sure how Solly would react to his question, and for some reason felt embarrassed. His errand now seemed somehow trivial and unimportant, so after a little hesitation he said slowly, Well, well, I... I've come here to seek your help and counsel. In my village, it's long been said you're one of the wisest animals in the whole forest, and I, uh, I have, uh, I have a problem, a personal problem, a problem that no one seems to be able to solve. So I thought I would come and see you and ask you for your help. But the storm has delayed me and made my entrance perhaps a little more dramatic than it should have been. Oh, uh, I see, said the owl cheerfully. Well now, uh, that's what I'm here for, to help all of those who need it. So tell me, my dear boy, what, what is this problem of yours? It must be serious to have brought you so far. But whatever it is, you'll find me more than happy to offer you my impartial advice and assistance. But first... You must confide in me. So come on, my boy, and don't be shy. I can assure you that no one else in the forest will learn of it. As discretion, my dear boy. Oh, discretion is my middle name, said the owl, finishing off his tea and second biscuit. Ermo perked up, relieved by the owl's friendly and accommodating manner. Putting his cup down, he shifted in his seat to face Solly. This is it, he thought. Finally, he'd have a solution, a way to correct his troublesome light. Uh, um, Solly, uh, sir, said Ermo, not quite sure how to begin. Please, please, call me Professor, said the owl kindly. Professor, Professor Solly, sir, I wondered if you would take a look at my light and tell me why it's so different. Different from all the other fire sprites. Why it's so bright? And if you would possibly know of a way to make it, um, well, more normal, dimmer, more like, well, more like all the other fire sprites. The light in your tail, you say? Well, 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 oh, now, that is a surprise. Not what I expected at all. Uh, but, but let's have a look at it then. Show it to me, my boy. I'm sure it can't be that bad. Either way, I'm confident I can sort something out. But first, I must look at it, said the owl, adjusting his spectacles in readiness. Ermo, awkward and embarrassed, moved his tail so the owl could better observe it. Carefully, he switched it on. Ermo's light, having recovered, shone as brightly as it had ever done before filling the whole room with its wondrous glow. Whilst bright, the light was not harsh or burning, but gentle and inviting, 
kind even on the owl's sensitive nocturnal eyes. Solly, taken aback by its odd glow, raised a large eyebrow and said, Well, 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 my boy, that is strange, and yours is a very strange request. In fact, the strangest I've had in quite a long while. (laughs) He chuckled to himself, acting both surprised and amused. Well, I must say, said the owl, moving closer, looking ever deeper into Ermo's light. I can uh, see that the light in your in your tail, the light, the light is, well, it is extraordinary white, but it's got a, a depth to it as if it contains more than just light. For something so remarkably small, it's quite... Quite, um, well... Solly's voice trailed off, as if he'd become consumed by his own thoughts. Without looking away, Solly produced a magnifying glass. Using it, he focused in on Irmo's tail. Magnified even more, its aurora revealed a gently pulsing emanation. A pulse that mesmerised the owl, like music. The light seemed to tug at Solly's inner emotions, making him want to both laugh and cry. It was as if Ermo's light itself was giving out every type of possible positive emotion. As Solly immersed himself in it, he felt his heart and spirit lift as a delightful, overwhelming feeling of contentment and happiness flowed through him making him feel what he could only describe as a joyous sense of peace and tranquillity, something he'd not felt in a long while. See what I mean? See how odd it is? questioned Ermo. It's not normal. Do you think there is any way it can be changed? But the owl didn't hear what Ermo said. In truth, he was only vaguely aware that he was being spoken to. Solly felt like he was softly drifting. The room around him had melted away and his disembodied spirit now floated gently around a large orb of fire. This strange sun emanated a wondrous feeling of warmth and contentment. Ermo continued, It's an odd light, in some ways less yellow and more white, without actually being white, if that makes any sense but he got no response from the owl, who was concentrating hard, staring even deeper into Ermo's glow. Professor? Professor? Professor Solly, sir? The owl floated in a relaxing bath of light, a light that offered both comfort and protection. But as the fire sprite spoke his name, his words held power, a power that made the owl feel compelled to look up. Once his eyes were away from the light, the warm and delightful inner feeling dissipated and the owl's consciousness glided gently back into the room. Uh, pardon? said the owl, still smiling. He then shook his head. In doing so, he regained even more control as the worries, ambitions and concerns of his mortal life all rushed back. The owl became flustered. His experience was like that of a vivid dream that instantly becomes forgotten. Once awake, 
All that remains are the fleeting glimpses of its memory. Annoyed, Solly quickly replied, oh, oh, I'm sorry, what was it you said? I was concentrating hard on the task, my boy, so you'll have to excuse me. Like most intellectuals, I don't always tend to hear everything that's being said, as I automatically filter out any erroneous, yes, erroneous chitter-chatter. While thinking hard on the problem in hand, I do tend to become distracted. But that's only so I can provide you with a properly considered solution. Hmm. Um, I quickly apologised. Yes, yes, uh, I see, of course. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It's just that I'm keen to hear your thoughts on the matter. Amongst all the forest animals, you are by far the cleverest I've ever met. And I'm eager to hear your opinion, to know if you think my light can be changed. Solly, who'd recovered his composure, softened his attitude. He enjoyed it when others praised him like this. So, puffing up his feathers, he paced up and down the room, looking serious and thoughtful, stopping only to pat Ermo reassuringly on the head. <laughs> yes, well, yes, uh, yes said Solly, purposely avoiding looking at Ermo's light. I've seen enough, so um, please feel free um, <clears throat> to turn your light off, um, uh, my boy. So, um, I can now say I fully understand your problem, which is a good thing, a good thing, a sure sign that I'm more than halfway to solving it. Ermo obliged, quickly switching off his light after which the room appeared stark and dull, something Solly hadn't noticed until now. Right, <clears throat> right. so let's be clear here, my boy. You say you want it changed. Your light, that is. <clears throat> yeah. Ermo nodded, watching the owl intently. Yes, uh, well, yeah, uh, yes, well, well, of course you do, of course. <clears throat> he ummed and awed a little closing one of his large eyes, while the other looked around the room in all directions. Then he announced, Well, uh, well, it appears I will need a little more time to think about this one, consult my books and um, uh, uh, give it some thought, mull it over and cogitate on it, before I can give you a full and complete answer or any solution. But I'm almost definitely sure that there is a chance we can absolutely do something constructive and positive about this for you. Yes. <clears throat> In order to bring about the changes you require that will lead to an altered state and a satisfactory conclusion to your, <clears throat> to your sophisticated, if somewhat intricate <clears throat> problem of uh, tincture and increased peripheral luminosity. In truth, Solly didn't have the faintest idea of what to do, or even what to suggest. Putting away his magnifying glass, feeling vaguely hungry, his mind wandered to the thought of supper. Taking out a gold pocket watch from beneath his feathers, he looked at it and said, but, uh, yeah, you see, the the immediate issue here is, um, well, is that it's a bit late to do anything about it now. You should have come to me, uh, well, much earlier. And even if we had, uh, um, 
even if I could do something, he tapped the watch glass, then wound it before listening to its ticking. Putting it back, Solly continued his pacing. But, 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 you're, you're not to worry, my boy. You're not to worry at all, as this is what I propose. I want you to come back next week. By then, I'm sure I would have found you the correct solution to your problem. If indeed, if indeed, one can be found. Next week, said Ermo, unable to hide his disappointment. That long? Well, my boy, you have to remember that the forest didn't grow in a day, and, well, lights such as yours are one of the trickiest things to get right. So, I suggest you come back in a week, then I promise, one way or another, I would have found you a satisfactory answer, a solution that is sure to please not only you, but all parties concerned. Ermo smiled weakly and agreed. Inside, he was disappointed, secretly hoping for an instant solution. The owl, picking up on this, looked intently at Ermo. Holding him by the shoulders, he said, Don't look so upset, my dear boy. (laughs) As I always say, invariably there's a good reason why life never gives you what you want when you most desire it. (laughs) It's just that you can't see it right now. So cheer up, my young fellow. A week is but a short time to wait in the scheme of things. A very, very short time. And if you think about it, for a solution that, if done right, will last you for the rest of your life. (laughs) Ermo smiled weakly and nodded. So come, come, come on, my boy. Don't be disheartened. Perk up and follow me. Solly showed Ermo out of his study and through to the reception area, where from behind the desk he took out a large and already full appointment diary. Flipping the pages to the right night, he proceeded to pencil in a time slot, after which he filled in and handed Ermo a small signed appointment card, saying cheerfully, (laughs) There you go, my boy. Consider yourself all booked in. (laughs) Now don't lose it, as it will help you remember your appointment. See it as a physical reminder of something good to look forward to. Yes, I've always found that possessing something physical like this provides untold comfort, yes, especially in times of worry or stress. Somewhat crestfallen, Ermo tried hard to be cheery and thank the owl. Upon examining the card, seeing the date for next week, he put it carefully away into a pouch attached to his belt. The owl and the fire sprite chatted for a while. Irmo, aware it was getting late, started to think of home. Much recovered, he made his way with the owl down to the door. Irmo thanked Solly again for all his hospitality and help, then said his farewells before setting off for home. Oh, uh, don't forget your appointment. Uh, I'll see you next week shouted the owl as he waved, watching Ermo leave. The rain had stopped and the storm was past. 
as Ermo launched himself into the fresh-smelling air, he could see that the night had already begun to turn to dawn. Ermo, now confident of his way back, and with the wind behind him, the journey home passed quickly. The fire sprite arrived at his house, absolutely exhausted. He looked at the hall clock. It read 11.38am. Very late for Ermo, who was usually in bed well before nine. For him, it had been an eventful night, if not an entirely productive one. But he was glad to be back. Quickly brushing his teeth before switching off his tail, Ermo jumped into bed. Almost as soon as his head hit the pillow, he fell into a deep sleep. Ermo floated into a fitful dream where he stood in the middle of a large and empty dungeon. The stone walls that surrounded him were metre-square cubits of granite, creating a tight and solid structure. The dungeon, by its size and presence, looked unforgiving. The hard crystalline stone was unworn, its surface only stained by the passage of time. It was as if the dungeon had been built to imprison its occupant for an eternity. Ermo heard a dripping sound coming from a thick steel door. As he moved towards it, he saw a spy hole that contained a large, lidless eye staring directly at him. It reminded Ermo of one of Solly's magnified, bespectacled eyes. At its centre was a black and spinning pupil where he could see the reflected light from his tail. All the time the eye did not move. Raw and red round its edges, it watered silently. The spy hole funnelled the tears so that they ran down the door, dripping onto the stone floor, every drop creating a desolate echoing. Plop, plop, plop. The more Ermo gazed into the eye, the more he was drawn in. Like a strong tidal force, he felt he was being dragged in by its relentless gaze. Powerless to escape, in desperation, he focused in on his light's reflection, as it was the only thing of familiarity that offered him any comfort. But as he observed the light, it began to diminish and fade. On the beat of each passing drip, the light flickered and reduced in size, until it looked like a small candle in the centre of a vast and empty cathedral, a solitary candle of hope and faith, burning away the last of its wax. It was as if the tears being shed were for the loss of the light. Ermo continued to seek out the flame, trying to bring it back to life, pushing internally as he would to switch on his tail, but any control he had over it was gone. The glow continued to diminish until it became the tiniest of pinpricks, a light fighting against the overwhelming darkness. Then, in a parting wisp of smoke, the light glowed red and was gone, plunging everything into an inky blackness. Ermo held his breath. Suddenly, the silence was broken by the terrifying, murderous scream of a vixen's howl. As if surfacing from deep water, 
Irma awoke, gulping desperately for air. Unnerved and shocked, he jumped straight out of bed and switched on his tail. Without stopping, he hurried upstairs, never having felt quite so glad to leave his bed behind. Outside, dusk was gathering, but Irmo, eager to block out the nightmare from his thoughts, forced himself to think only of breakfast. Days later, during the afternoon, when the owl was at one of his secret tempernacle meetings, Solly looked to the last of the diary entries for the night ahead and saw the fire sprites appointment, the one he'd made the week before. Unsure if he should just skip over it, Solly decided to raise it quickly with the fox, telling Staramat half laughingly how this rather silly fire sprite with a really bright tail, had come to see him, and how he'd wanted to know if there was some way he could change his light. Solly laughed, a nervous, almost apologetic laugh, saying quickly, It's a trivial issue of no importance. (laughs) I'll deal with this one by myself, (laughs) as it's fairly straightforward and there's no need to worry you about it. Solly had expected the fox not to pay much notice, only to join him in laughing it off. But surprisingly, there was something in what he'd just said that instantly caught Staramet's attention. It was as if the fox had just snagged himself on a bramble, stopping the conversation to carefully retrace each step while gently unpicking the owl's words. A fire sprite, you say? The inflected tone of his speech hid an importance. Yes, well, yes, but uh, uh, I can, replied Solly, who was instantly interrupted. So tell me, why did he want to change his light exactly? Well, well, it was was bright and different. Interrupting again. The fox asked. A fire sprite with a bright tail, you say? How bright? Staramat again softened the urgency of his tone. Are we talking much brighter than normal, or only a little brighter? Oh, well, no, uh, much, much brighter. Well, uh, at least, well, thirty times brighter, if not more. And... Now, if I think about it, it was very odd. It was one of the strangest lights I've ever seen. Solly knew he'd caught Staramat's full attention and felt pleased, as this rarely happened. But it wasn't just pleasure, he felt. This was pleasure combined with excitement. Displaying eagerness, Solly provided Staramet with a full description of the fire sprite and the brightness of his tail after which the fox in contemplation remained silent. Then Staramet said quietly to himself, So, it's in a fire sprite of all things. When exactly did you say he came to see you? Uh, well, um, last week, but I said nothing. I only told him to come back the following week. Tonight, in fact, for an answer. 
Tonight? Tonight? Yes, that's good. That's very good. As his voice trailed away, Solly knew that the fox was thinking quickly. So Bors respectfully waiting for instruction. You did well in raising this with me, Sorry, You did very well. The owl smiled and raised an eyebrow in eager interest. Now listen, and listen very carefully, Solly, because what I'm about to tell you is very important, and I need you to do exactly as I say. 